Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. My father-in-law likes to fish. Greg likes to fish. We've gone fishing a few times, and I can tell you, without any shadow of a doubt, with 100% certainty, Greg is a fisherman. He catches fish. I am not a fisherman. I'm the guy that goes fishing, and I end up sitting there watching everybody else haul in the fish. I can remember as a young person, we had a, a family friend that would take us down on their boat. We'd go white bass fishing, and they'd all be standing around yanking the jaws off of fish. And I'm like, what's the deal? <clears throat> My fishing experience consists of changing off soggy bait. Holding somebody else's second fishing pole while they're taking fish off their first fishing pole. And then before long, I just start eating all the snacks. That's my fishing trip. Anybody relate? There's a few of us. Hey, I'll tell you, I just don't have the touch. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skill. And probably the real answer is I don't have the patience to be a fisherman. When it comes to fishing, I deserve some awards. I want a t-shirt that says, Champion Worm Drowner. (laughs) If I ever bought a boat, I should call it the Rusty Hook. (laughs) The plaque we got from the church this past weekend was beautiful. Thank you for the plaque and the... The sign, those things are very beautiful. If I was to get a trophy of any sort for fishing, it would be world's worst fisherman. (laughs) Comedian Stephen Wright said, there's a a fine line between fishing and standing on the shore looking like an idiot. I don't fall in the fishing category. I'm just telling you. It just doesn't work. I had a conversation with a man at work one time, and we were talking about fishing, and he was... He's one of those gifted fishermen. And I was telling him all my woes about how bad I am at fishing and how I can't catch anything. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, well, anybody can be a fisherman. He goes, the real thing is not everybody's a catcherman. And I said, I relate. I guess I'm a fisherman and not a catcherman. One last story. A man had spent a long, hot day out fishing and caught Nothing. On his way home, not to disappoint his wife, he stopped by the market and picked up three big fish. He asked the clerk, before you wrap those in paper, can you throw them over the counter to me? The clerk looked really puzzled at him and said, oh, I just want to be able to tell my wife I caught them. The only saving grace for me when it comes to fishing is that God called his disciples to leave their boats and to leave their nets, and they would no longer be fishers of fish, but they would become fishers of men. And I'm thankful that God gave us that calling, and it's on that idea we're going to talk a little bit today, and we'll introduce our topic. But first, let's read our passage in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 and 48. 
Again, if you read Matthew 13, you see there are multiple parables back to back. And so 47 begins with, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that is cast into the sea and gathered of all or of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. <coughs> you can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading today. His kingdom, God's kingdom, is like a net that has been cast. I love the animation in this description of God's kingdom. And today we're going to talk about this thought, this idea, cast the net. Cast the net. God's kingdom being compared to a net is very interesting. It's, it's compared to a net that's animated. It's, it's in action, right? It's, it's moving through the air or it's, it's collapsing in the water and gathering in. It's not a net hanging on the wall for decorations like in the old Long John Silver. It's not tangled up in the weeds on the side gathering trash. Neither is it torn with, with holes in it laying discarded in the bottom of the boat. It is a net in action. The kingdom of God is in action. It's used for its purpose. God's kingdom on earth is his church and his kingdom is in action. The church is an animated body. Amen? We are demonstrative in our worship. We clap our hands. We raise our hands in worship. We are animated in the way that we worship God. But more than just the acts of worship, as a body of believers, we are to be in motion. We are to be moving and doing the work of God. Church is not a museum. Church is a hospital. You go to museums and you walk through and you go to each exhibit or each display and you, you read the placard. Now we've got fancy museums. You can get the headphones and then you can listen at every station to the story and the history that goes with every exhibit. I hope we never become Lifespring Museum. Lifespring Museum of Religious Artifacts. Where people come in and they walk up to you and, and you can tell them this incredible story. But all it is is your history. And we celebrate the story of our history. We celebrate the fact that God found us. Dug us out of the pit. Redeemed us saved us, and put us on the right track. We celebrate that story, and we, we should be willing and able and ready at all times to tell the story, but that's not all of it. We're not here just for people to come and hear my story. We're not going to charge admission. $25 and come in and hear all the stories of God's amazing grace. Lifespring Church... Our Lifespring Museum 
of religious artifacts. No, we are a church in motion. And while God has done things for us in our past, we believe that is just proof that he can continue to work now and he will also be working in our future. If God could save you from whatever situation you were in and you meet somebody in the same situation, guess what? God could save them. If you've had a sickness in your body and God healed you from it and you meet somebody that has sickness, guess what? You are proof that God can heal from that sickness. God's not ran out of power. He's not done. He's not finished. He's still working. His church is animated as a net that's being cast. It's still doing the work that God has sent it to do. And the work of God's kingdom is accomplished when his kingdom comes and his will is done here on the earth. And so we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the agents of God. We are those in the earth doing heaven's purpose and will here in the earth. God's will is only done in the earth by the church. His kingdom, God's kingdom, or if you'll allow me this morning to say God's church, His church, isn't a past relic on display. Neither has it been abandoned in the shallow waters of human theology. It's not been left and destroyed and, and watered out by religious entertainment. The church is still alive and well. The church is still moving. There are some... It's not my nature to throw stones, but I'm just going to, I don't know, I'm just going to walk out there a little bit today. <laughs> There's some religious organizations you can get involved in, and they're an inch, inch deep and a, a thousand miles wide. They have their hands in everything and everywhere, but there is no real relationship with God. There's no depth in their relationship with God. There's no me and, brother, me and Jack were talking about it before service. There's no authenticity in what they're doing. In their relationship with God. Hey, I'd rather be a quarter inch straw and reach down to the farthest depths that God would allow me to reach. And draw from the good freshness of his kingdom. I think there's greater value in the depth of our relationship with God than there is in the breadth of our relationship with God. Amen. Now I say that not to completely discredit breath because that's the intent this year. We're going into the field. We're getting wider. But we're not going to sacrifice depth to get wider. Science lesson, ready? So if you have a certain volume of water and you want to make it spread wider and not change the volume of water where it happens it gets shallower so the only way we get broader is if we get deeper we have to add to what we have we need to pour in more holy ghost we need to pour in more personal christian discipline we need to pour in more prayer time, more fasting time, more Bible reading. We need to pour in more dedication to the, the kingdom of God and the work of God. 
for us to be broader in our reach, as in casting a net, we have to go deeper in our relationship with God. Well, that's good teaching. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus hasn't discarded his church, the net, in the bottom of the boat because it's no longer useful or relevant. The church is still the only thing in this world that can make an everlasting change in this world. I think we've learned through the past several presidents and, and people in government that all it takes is a couple men to make a decision and the, the signing of a pen and, and laws can turn 180 degrees. What authority does Congress have? I mean, all it takes is somebody that doesn't like their opinion that can get more people on board to sign the piece of paper. And it all changes. That's a little bit simplistic, but you get the point. There's something that's never going to change. It's forever settled. And it's what we're judged against. It's His Word. And His Word says... His church is the agent of change in this world. And so his net, we are God's net, and we've not been discarded or we're not left as irrelevant. We are still a part of doing the work of God. Did you know people can still get involved in God's church and the bondages of sin can be broken off of them? Captives are liberated from fear and doubt. The church is without end. The church is forever and ever. We have the full authority and the power of God upon us because we are the church of God. He said in Matthew 28 and 18, all power in heaven and earth was given unto him. And then he commanded us in scripture that we would be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've taken on the name of Jesus Christ, you have the full authority and the power of God and his name working with you to do the work of ministry. And as the church, we are spirit-led people. Not only has his name been applied to us in the waters of baptism, but his spirit has come to fill us by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And his spirit leads us, guides us, instructs us, teaches us, and empowers us. I think I went too fast. You didn't catch all that. His spirit leads us, teaches us, instructs us, and empowers us. I can't do this without being filled with His Spirit. There are individuals that have strong self-will and they can will themselves to do good. But there comes a point where the human will is not enough to be satisfactory to the call of God because God calls us to stuff bigger than ourselves. If God only wanted me to do what I was able to do, then why would we need God? I need God because He wants me to do stuff that's bigger than me. He wants me to fish in waters that I'm not comfortable fishing in. He wants me to throw a net bigger than I'm comfortable throwing. He wants me to reach farther than I've ever reached before. So today, with the help of the Lord, I'm just getting through my introduction. And the Holy Ghost... 
But if you agree with me, we're going to cast the net for his kingdom. You're probably hoping, sitting there thinking, I hope that's the longest introduction he's ever had. His kingdom is God's vision for your life. Every one of us are a unique part of his kingdom. You may be the knot in the net. You may be the string between the knots in the net. You may be the buoy on the end of the net. You may be the rope that goes around the outside that holds it all together and compresses the net. Don't be the moss on the net. Be a part of the net. Don't be a part of the stuff that helps and causes the net, not helps, but causes the net to deteriorate and to rot. But be a part of the net. And there are times God has to grab this string and this string and, and it's been tangled up and he has to sew them back together and, and work them back together. And that's God working on us, putting the net together. That's called God putting us back in unity one with another. And it's okay when God has to do that. Because we are a net fitly joined together for the work of the kingdom. And it is the will of God that we, the net, gather fish. That's the purpose of a net. No fisherman has gone out and, and researched, scoured the internet and called all of his fishing buddies. What is the best fishing net? Which one's made with the, the best quality materials? Which one has the, the best craftsmanship in it? It's, the knots aren't loose. They're tied tight. Which one has the best, the best rope? Through it so that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold up. It's not going to rot or deteriorate. It's not going to snag. Or, or Which is the best net? Which one's well balanced in its weight? So as I cast it, you know, it'll spread out perfectly and it'll land fully open. No fisherman does all that research and, and decides, you know, I know that one costs a little bit more, but it meets all the criteria of being the best fishing net. And he saves his money and spends his, his resource to buy the best net. And then just throws it in the closet. He tells all of his friends, you wouldn't believe the net I own. I have the best fishing net you could ever imagine. Let me tell you about it. He talks about all the qualities of this incredible fishing net that he paid an incredible price to get. You know, in the middle of that conversation, there's going to be the one friend that's going to ask, well, how many fish has that net caught? Oh, it's, it's too precious. It's just, it's just in the bag hanging. It's just sitting in the back of the closet. I don't want to get it wet. No. I can't use it. I don't, I don't know how to fish. It's just, it's bought the net, man. We are part of one of the most precious things we could be a part of. We're a part of the church. We're a part of his kingdom. 
there was an incredible price paid for this net to be formed. This net's not made with low-quality materials. The craftsmanship of this net is beyond the craftsmanship of any net you could ever find. This net has been fitly joined together. This is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were handcrafted by the hand of God out of mud. We are quality material because we're alive by the very breath of God. We are the best net you could ever purchase. And God didn't create us to put us in a closet and just talk about it. But he created us to use us, to put us in the water, to cast us so that we would spread open wide and draw in the fish. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Of some men count slackness. But is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The will of God to be done in this earth will be when we, the net, are willing and able to be cast by the fisher of all men. When we, with our hands and our feet and our mouth and our influence, gather in to the net. In whatever lake or pond or river or body of water that God has cast us into, we begin to gather in the fish. And he says he's not slack concerning his promise. Hey, did God save you? He can save them. Did God redeem you? He can redeem them. Did God break your addiction? He can break their addiction. Did God deliver you from that bondage? He can deliver them from that bondage. God's not slacking his promise. God's promise to you is just as valuable to them as it was to us. Luke chapter 19 and 10 says, For the, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. Can I stay on the net analogy? No fisherman buys a net and goes out to the lake and keeps it nicely folded in his, I guess now it's tackle bag because we've got more tackle than fits in a box. <clears throat> Leaves his net nicely folded in its nice saran wrap bottom of his tackle bag and he sits and fishes all day and gathers all the fish into the boat and then at the end of the day when he's done fishing decides I'm going to open this tackle bag and, and pull out my net and, and cast his net across the bottom of the boat and gather up all the fish he's caught that's absurd that's a, it's kind of dumb to even say it The net's not for the already caught fish. The net is for the fish yet to be caught. Can I tell you today, the church is for the fish yet to be caught. We exist. Yes, we're a family of God. Yes, we have communion young with another. I'm not taking away from that. But our calling from God, our purpose from God, the great commission from God is not to throw the net in the sanctuary and see how many saints you can gather. We're already here. 
The purpose of the net is to throw it into the open waters and see all that you can gather together so that you too can bring them into the boat and they can be a part of what we are. That's the purpose of the net. The purpose of his kingdom is redemption. He died on the cross so that those who are lost could be saved. His blood was shed for those who are under the curse of sin to be liberated from the curse of sin. His stripes were so those who are sick can be healed. The thorns upon his forehead were so those who serve a lesser king or the prince of the air could come to know the great king of kings and the Lord of lords. The spear cast and poked and shoved into his side where blood and water flowed was so that those who are addicted to the fluid of this world could be found liberated by the power of the water and of the blood. He was put in a tomb and he died and conquering hell in the grave. He rose again victorious so that every single person who feels like their life is a dead end could have life and life more abundant. He came so that the net would be the premier instrument, the premier piece of equipment to gather in those to be saved. Here's the deal about the net. Nets have weights. You can see it in this picture a little bit. You see the, the wider parts around the edge in the graphic. These are weights. That net is cast. It spreads out wide and it hits the surface of the water. And those weights all along the edge begin to pull that net down, 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 down into the depths of the water. Can I tell you where God's net found us? God's net found us in the darkest depth. God didn't walk out there with a little dip net and skim us off the top and bring us into the kingdom. He had to get down deep. He had to get down to the dark place of the water. Some of us were living in darkness. Some of us were living in dark places. Some of us, we couldn't see what was going on around us. We'd become disoriented because of the darkness that was around us. And it took a net grabbing a hold of us. And we were shocked when it got a hold of us. But it began to pull us out of the depths. And it wasn't very long. We began to see the ray of light shining through as it brought us into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His light shone into us. Yes, it revealed some stuff in our life that we didn't like. But God said, that's okay. I can take care of that. You're in the net. You can be saved. You can be brought out of the depths of the water and placed into the boat. We no longer live a life of darkness. We are no longer enslaved and bound by sin. We live in the light of understanding. And we know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and King. And he has called us to be his people. That's what 1 Peter 2 and 9 says. 
but ye are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. Why did God do that? Why did God take royalty and holiness and, and peculiarity and bring us all together so that you could show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? It's one thing to sit in this room and talk to each other about how incredible these light bulbs are. And we all have a common understanding because we can all see and experience the light. How about you find somebody living in darkness and begin to talk to them about the light? You ever been in a dark place? So dark you could slap yourself and not see it coming? There's some people who spiritually and even physically in this life are living in places that dark. They can't even see what's coming. It's so dark. Let me tell you the greatest message of hope you can tell somebody in that kind of darkness. I know a light source. I know a source of light that will begin to shine in your life and you won't be stumbling over all this stuff anymore. I know a source of light that can shine into your life and you'll no longer have unexpected things just, just catch you out of the blue. I know a source of light that can change your life. Matter of fact, the light is so powerful that it dispels all the darkness. And you'll no longer have to live in any darkness, but you can live in complete light. This is the power of casting the net. Jesus wants you and I to be disciples. But more than being religious disciples, he wants us to be disciples that are involved in the four things of discipleship. You ready for the four things of discipleship? I'm going to tell you what they're not first. It is not, read your Bible, pray, fast, go to church and pay your tithes. That's not being a disciple. Disciples do those things, but that's not being a disciple. Being a disciple first is being in relationship with Jesus Christ. That means I have 100% converted my life from following this world and following my own desire to being a complete follower of Jesus Christ. Wherever he leads... I will go, just like Abraham. Where are we going today, Lord? Nowhere. Stay. Okay. Where are we going today, Lord? Pack up and head this direction. Okay, Lord. How far do I go until I tell you to stop? Okay, Lord. Now, that messes with us analytical people. We're like, okay, Lord. What's the destination? I'll type it into my, uh, my map here on my phone. I'll get directions. Lord, I'm sure we can figure out the fastest, shortest, least interrupted way to get there. And I'll tell you, Lord, the best path. And you just tell me where we're going. What's the destination? 
very rarely does God give us the destination. Most of the time when you say, Lord, where am I to go today? The most common answer you're going to get from God is, you need to take one step forward. Okay, Lord, now where? Take another step. Okay, Lord, now where? Take another step. Is this a pattern, Lord? Take another step. But where are we headed? One step at a time. One footprint at a time. One trusting moment at a time. And he leads us. This is what it means to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, reading his word, talking to him in prayer, faithfully attending the gatherings where he is, those things, they're not even on a list. It's just a part of who we are. The other three things that are beyond relationship with God are when we emulate Christ. Christ taught people about the kingdom. And so we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Jesus met the felt needs of people. He healed the sick, raised the dead, gave sight to the blind. We are to do our part in our community to meet the felt needs of people. And then he taught others to do the previous. This is what it means to be a disciple and a disciple maker. Because true discipleship is more than just living it ourselves and becoming a dead end. True discipleship is being a disciple maker where we reproduce ourselves in somebody else. This is the power of the net. This is the difference between fishing pole fishing and net fishing. If you're a talented fisherman, you can put multiple hooks on a fishing pole and maybe get you two or three fish at once. I don't know how you do that. But if you have a net, you just grab it all. You just pull it all in. You just bring it all into the boat. This is what God's calling us to do. We are spiritual beings. We all have a soul. Amen? We live in parallel worlds. The world of the carnal and the world of the spiritual running in parallel with each other. <clears throat> we're very aware of the carnal world because that's the world in which we were created. But there are times in our life where God gives us glimpses into the spiritual world and we definitely feel and understand the impact of the spirit world around us. <clears throat> Have you ever walked into a place and just been like, this place gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> spiritual. There's something spiritual there. You ever walk into a place and you're just like, wow, there's an incredible peace, incredible calm. Hopefully that's when you walk into the church, Live Spring Church. You walk in here and you're just like, man, there's an, there's an incredible rest. Chaos is silence. Peace is here. That's spiritual. 
Can we explain it to the nth degree that our carnality can understand it? No. That is a part of living by faith. We don't fully understand everything in the spirit world. It's, it's through a glass dimly that we see the spirit world. But God gives us opportunities to experience things in the spiritual. Oh, it's very natural to come down to an altar and physically bend your knee and physically say words out of your mouth, a prayer of repentance. And confession to God. That's a very uh, physical experience. But it's not very long before the physical experience turns into a spiritual experience. And you begin to feel the love and the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God sweep over your life. That's when he begins the spiritual transformation in us. It's very natural to go put on a baptismal robe. Walk in here. Maybe nervous, climb up the rinky steps, climb into the baptistry. Sister Terry, hopefully they got the heater working. You sit down, they say some words, and they say the name of Jesus Christ. You go under the water, you come out, people pray for you. You get out, and you walk, you go change your clothes. That's pretty natural. And there's something. There's something that happens. In the spirit world, the parallel world, the spirit world, when the name of Jesus Christ is pronounced over you, and in that moment you go into the waters of baptism and you come out, there's a cleansing, there's a washing, there's a regeneration that's happening in that body and in that soul, and you begin to feel it, you begin to know it, you're experiencing something spiritual. It's bigger than getting wet, it's bigger than being dunked in water. There's something happening to me. It's very natural. It's very carnal. It's very fleshly. To in your seat or to walk to the front and to lift your hands, to open your mouth, and to begin to praise God. What is praise? Praise is thankfulness, appreciation, and gratitude to God. It's very natural. It's a, it's a human thing. We, it takes us, our human body, to make those actions happen. But when we get to this point where our flesh is completely surrendered to God, and we're completely open to whatever He wants to do in our lives, and we're committed to Him 100%, and we yield our flesh to the moving of His Spirit, his spirit is more than just around us. His spirit becomes in us. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were all in one place and in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. The Bible says, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was to them the initial sign that they had been filled with the Spirit of God. Yes, we live in two parallel worlds, a very natural world and a very spiritual world. And today I'm preaching to you about casting the net. Not literally going down the Bass Pro today and buying a net and walking in the Walmart and throwing it over people. Don't do that. I'll end up meeting you on Friday at the county jail.
But I'm trying to give us a very carnal illustration of what we're supposed to be doing in the spirit world. When I go to Walmart, I'm buying more than Reese's peanut butter cups and toothpaste. I'm fishing. When I'm having a one-on-one conversation with somebody at work, I'm fishing. When I'm standing outside talking to my neighbor about how beautiful his grass is going to be in the spring, I'm doing more than talking about grass. I'm fishing. I'm casting a net. I'm seeing where the hungry ones are. I'm trying to figure out, is this net going in the open water or is this net falling on a pool of fish? Because in the spirit world, we are casting our net everywhere that we go. And let me tell you, what we're doing in the spiritual world has an eternal impact. i got to figure out how to get back in my notes. Our world today is very in tune with their carnality. I pray the church, we become more in tune with the things of the spirit than the things of carnality. Let us become more in tune with the things of the spirit. And let us become so willing that even the smallest nudge from God allows us to open our mouth. And his words to fall out. I'm expecting sometime this year, somebody's going to come up to me and say, hey, I was having a conversation. I said this, and I don't even know, I, I don't know why I said it or how I said it, but it impacted this person, and, and they started crying, and, and I got a Bible study with them. And we were talking about why the tree fell down. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And the power of his kingdom is demonstrated in the spiritual side of our life. There are three powers in the kingdom of God. Three powers that work in the church. I'm moving quickly. There's the power of his word. We've already said it today. It's forever settled in heaven. It's the supreme authority both in the carnal life and in the spiritual life. His word is the rule. Some people think we're crazy. How can we don't just live by how you feel? Why doesn't it work out too well? Pull a Dr. Feel quote. How's that working for you? I feel depressed all the time. Why? Because I'm following my feelings. Well, how do you feel? Depressed? Well, how are you going to do about that? I don't know. I feel depressed. Well, stop living by your feelings. How about we talk to a God that brings righteousness, peace, and joy? How about we get in love with him and see what happens when the joy of the Holy Ghost fills our life and begins to make a difference? How about we get in tune with God and we we feed our spiritual man and he becomes reignited and and regenerated in the power of the Holy Ghost? and He creates in us a clean heart. We are renewed by the transformation of our mind. I can't preach all that. I've got to keep moving. There's something about when we get in tune with his spirit. 
It's forever settled. It's the supreme authority. The power of his word. The second power we have is his blood. It is by the power of the blood there is remission of sins. Nothing has the power to break the sin curse and its effects on our life except the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. We celebrate the cross. We celebrate the death of Christ. We celebrate the redemption that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. But, but that's not the end of the story. It's one thing to be set free. But you can't just be set free. You have to be put on assignment. What's the next assignment? And that's the power of the Holy Ghost. The resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. The spirit of truth comes. The comforter the power to do right, live right, be right, and to have peace and joy. As disciples of Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, living in his kingdom, we have constant access to these three powers. And it's with this understanding that we can boldly say there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. We can overcome because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Casting our net is simply sharing his kingdom with others. Casting the net is simply being a disciple maker. Matthew 28 and 19 is the great commission. It's the one we all go to. Go ye therefore into all nations. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's disciple making. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What's the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? That's his name. He is our Father. He is the Son. He was born of Mary. And God is a spirit. And he's a Holy Spirit. So he's the Holy Spirit. It's no more complicated than that. But the Great Commission is more than just Matthew 28 19. Luke wrote about it and Mark wrote about it also. Mark wrote it here in Mark 16 and 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I should have... I should have done it. I didn't do it. I should have printed out little licenses today. Everybody gets a preacher's license. <laughs> Nobody here, but I'm sure there's some people that that go to their head. I got a preacher's license. Good for you. That was too sarcastic. I didn't cut that out. Mark 16 and 15 says you are to preach. Every single person who becomes a disciple becomes a preacher. You don't have to go to theology school. You don't have to get a master's in theology. Almost sneezed. I did sneeze. You don't have to get a master's in theology. You don't have to get a doctorate's degree in all of the Greek and the Hebrew. 
you don't even have to be a part of a religious organization and, and go through their reading requirements and their training and, and meet their, their board or their, their committee and, and be, receive a licensure from them. Hey, there's, there's process and organizations and those that want to follow that process. And, and we need those things in place for certain things to, to operate in our world today. But you don't need that. I should have checked before I do this. Don't have the hard copy. We got to go to the digital copy. You guys are, what in the world is he doing? You don't need one of these to obey Mark 15 and 16. All you need is to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and be led by the Holy Ghost, become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you are a preacher of the gospel. You can preach it to your neighbor. You can preach it to your husband, you can preach it to your wife, you can preach it to your kids, you can preach it to your aunts, you can preach it to your uncles, you can preach it to your co-workers, you can preach it to your boss, preach it to the HR director, she'll love it. You can preach the gospel to everybody. You are an ordained preacher of God. I'm telling you today, you are a preacher of the gospel. Let me redefine that for you. Sometimes that's way too spiritual. That gets, that gets people really out there. You are a net caster. You are a fisher of men, women, young people. You are a fisher to bring them into the, to the kingdom of God. The Great Commission was not go build a religious organization. And I'm thankful for religious organizations. We're a part of one. Its main purpose is because we're small and we pull our resources together to do big things. I don't know if you've seen the video or not, but we give money to move the mission. Because we give money to move the mission, the missionaries that we just recently had in Japan, they're back in Japan, and they were able to buy a vehicle. Anybody here have the money to pay cash for a missionary to have a vehicle? Look at all the hands go up. No, but we pulled together, and they have a nice vehicle. The Great Commission was not build a religious organization, although there's purpose for it. The Great Commission was not, hey, go do some good. The Great Commission was go make disciples. Go preach the gospel. Go tell somebody the good news. Go cast your net and bring them in. So to be a disciple, we do three things, and I am closing. First, you've got to make a friend. Zero spirituality. Well, I don't know if I'm that spiritual. I don't know. All right, can you make a friend? How do I make a friend? First, be nice.
I can't make friends. Well, be nice. Make a friend out of somebody. Build a relationship with them. Trust me, it won't be very long before the light inside of you, just being around their darkness, will begin to make an impact. And you probably won't even start the conversation. They will probably start the conversation and say, hey, you know what, I've been dealing with something. What are your thoughts on this? The old comedian says, here's your sign. Don't run from it. Don't be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. You don't have to know about their problem. You have to know about the solution. And you can be honest with them. I've never experienced anything like that. But I've been in tough situations. And let me tell you what I do in tough situations. I talk to God. Pray to the invisible one out in the, out in the, out in the cosmos. Yeah. You know what he's done for me? You know what he's done for me? Make a friend. Lead them to Jesus. And then teach them to do the same thing you've done for them. That's the disciple-making process. Make a friend. Lead them to Jesus. And teach them to do the same thing. Would you stand with me this morning? is looking on us today the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner repenting that's a powerful moment in a person's life I don't have any Bible for what heaven does in this next scenario but it is the great commission Heaven would have to take notice. God has to be paying attention. But what happens when one person says, I'm going to make a disciple? What happens when one person says, I've got this wonderful, this beautiful net that God gave me? I got to unpack it. I got to get this cardboard off the top. I got to get these staples out of the plastic. I got to get this thing out of the plastic. This thing unfolded. Look how beautiful it is. Look how, look how glorious this net is that God gave me. I've got to get this net in the water. I've got to find the body of water. I've got to cast the net and bring somebody in. Oh, I think God says, Yes, that's why I died. Yes, that's why I called you. Yes, that's why I delivered you. Yes, that's why I've done everything in your life. Yes, to save you and to heal you and to encourage you but not just for you so we got to get in the field we've got to get in the water we've got to do the work that God has called us to do thank you for listening to the Life Spring Church podcast join us in person on Sundays at 11am Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.